The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter, and welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, as I'm bringing you three to four shows per week filled with football knowledge that's going to help your team win your leagues this season. So you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. Welcome back. Welcome back once again. I wanted to start the show today by giving the Fantasy Authority the podcast feed that hosts this podcast. You can find everything the guys do at FF underscore authority. Really enjoy how they're attacking the game with short, easy to consume content similar to this podcast. They're crushing it with the YouTube clips as well. I always enjoy hearing Kevin, Cody, and the whole crew mix it up. Robbie and Tom do a great job with the dynasty stuff they have fun live streams you can hop in and comment on and be a part of the action as they record it's fun stuff check them out okay what are we doing today is today the day i reveal a take take watch day two no it's not we're getting right to it i'm sticking in the midwest again today I dialed up Arif Hassan. He covers the Minnesota Vikings for The Athletic. You can find him at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. And you should. I think this guy is one of the best on socials that's uh, out there. Funny. Very knowledgeable. He's kind enough to join us once again. And he's about to deliver the definitive guide to the Minnesota Vikings for 2021. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Arif Hassan. Hello, Arif. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Arif, you're a training camp attender and you get paid to evaluate men much larger than you (laughs) and their ability to play their sport. Lucky for us, that's exactly what this podcast is about. So thank you for joining me. You're one of my favorite follows on Twitter. You're really good on socials, by the way. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Welcome back. And uh, how is training camp going for you? Uh, it's going well for me. The The biggest challenge for me is the heat, which I imagine is, you know, 10 times more challenging for the for the players that are actually performing athletic duties out there. But yeah, you know, grab a set of binoculars, grab a notebook, down what you see. It's um, I wouldn't say it's an easy job just because I feel like I'm beat up at the end of the day just from standing a lot. But uh, it certainly is a dream job. So yeah, I love Uh, I love how training camp has been going for me. Awesome. Well, uh, a little, you know, I always kick it off with the team, but let's, let's talk to you. I mean, you're out there, you're joining us. So let's give you some, some time. Okay. Well, let's get into these Vikings. Uh, The masses are salivating once again for fantasy points from this team. And rightfully so last year, they finished 11th in total points scored, but an eye popping fourth overall in total yards and were fifth in the league in yards per play. And they of course did so by leaning on Dalvin Cook and that run game coming in at eighth overall in rush attempts and only 27th in pass attempts, which actually surprised me because I felt like Kirk Cousins got unleashed 
a little bit last year, but nonetheless, they have the luxury of bringing over a lot of consistency from the last couple seasons. So we have a bit of an idea how this team will work, but I know you've written about some new wrinkles. Can you tell us about these new wrinkles for this Vikings offense? Give us a, a preview or just talk about what you think this team will be like uh, on the offensive side of the ball from what you've seen in camp. Sure. Well, the wrinkles that I wrote about, I don't know how much they'll impact a fantasy player all that much because they're just kind of new ways to do some of the old stuff, you know, a lot of motion and stuff like that to, to unveil uh, looks in the defenses or get people out of coverage, a lot of boot action, a lot more boot action than they're used to. And the Vikings are already very play action heavy team. So expect more of that, maybe a couple more deep shots. So that could be fantasy relevant. There are like wide receiver motions. I wouldn't like bake in wide receiver rushing attempts in any fantasy projection or anything like that too much. So that's all part of it. Um, I do expect the offense to be a little bit more innovative than it was last year. It was pretty good in terms of fantasy points scored last year too, though. So it's not uh, like you're really losing out on much. I would expect actually the rush attempts to increase even more than they did last year. I mean, the Vikings were very run heavy team, obviously, but they were losing in a lot of these games. And so uh, ranking 27th in, in passing attempts or something like that, like you said, um, that might diminish as they, in theory, are a better team with a better defense than last year. And so they might lean on the running game even more than they already did, which, like you pointed out, was like eighth in, in rush attempts. That's something that they're very comfortable doing. So uh, I would expect to see the receiving yardage for a player like Justin Jefferson drop a little bit, the receiving yardage for a player like Adam Thielen drop a little bit. Obviously, there are some opportunities there for Irv Smith, who's taking over the Kyle Rudolph role. But for the most part. Um, it's more of the same. A lot of two receiver sets, a lot of two tight end sets, maybe two running back sets instead, and a lot of reliance on the run game and using play action as a means of kind of taking advantage of the looks that they're getting in the run game. There's a study just published by PFF talking about how much quarterbacks are advantaged by heavy boxes uh, when they do pass out of uh, you know those those heavy box sets, those, those full personnel sets. Kirk Cousins benefits more than most quarterbacks in that, and I think that a lot of that has to do with play action. So we're going to see a lot of that. So I think you know the wrinkles I think are really exciting from like a, a a qualia perspective, like, you know, just watching football, seeing all the different, you know, pieces come together. But on a stat sheet, I don't think it's going to look all that different. I think the targets are going to go to many of the same players. I think the percentages will will be roughly in line with game script uh, relative to what the Vikings typically do. It's just kind of like different eye candy that the Vikings will use this year. Well, a player that uh, typically looks the same year after year, if we're going to see a lot of a lot of the same with this team is Kirk Cousins. Although last year he did have 70 more attempts than the previous year, and he had a career high 35 touchdowns. It sounds like those attempts could be dialed back and regress to his mean of maybe 25 to 30 touchdowns, which hey, isn't isn't so bad. Are we getting, you know, that mean Kirk Cousins this year, do you think? Yeah, I think that we're going to get uh, kind of that regression that you're talking about a little bit, both because of the reduction of attempts and also because that touchdown total versus that attempt, like the touchdown percentage was unusually high for him. And I, I think that that's just going to tick down just because these things tend to tick down for quarterbacks. Touchdown percentage is very difficult to replicate year after year, especially when it's when it's coming off of a fairly high year. Um, so that's going to tick down just kind of naturally, but also because of the, the decrease I'm forecasting in attempts just because the team quality is going to be a little bit better. And then I expect that when they get in the red zone, they're going to run the ball just a little bit more. You know, th this is a, a thing that, that tends to be kind of red zone dependent last year. I mean, they were pretty good in terms of the explosive play department. So some of those touchdowns came from big passing plays, but a lot of touchdowns that come from red zone and, and the Vikings do like to run a little bit more red zone. It just so happened that last year, some of that red zone running stuff wasn't as effective as it typically is, but they are usually a really good red zone offense, whether they're running or passing the ball. So I think that we're going to see a, probably a, a very similar in terms of effectiveness, in terms of the amount of points that they score. I think we're going to see a very similar offense from there, but I think it might be distributed in favor of the run, maybe a little bit more. So 
So I don't really see uh, him being able to maintain that that touchdown rate. You know, in Washington, he was a 4,000-yard passer. That was a, a product of the number of attempts. I think that we're not going to see 4,000 yards or 35 touchdowns. I think we're going to see an effective quarterback, maybe 3,800, 3,700 yards, maybe 26, 27 touchdowns or something along those lines, but something more in line with those career averages than something that we saw last year. And any plexiglass deals, <laughs> have they come in yet? Are we seeing the big plexiglass come in to scoop this guy up? It, it would be so funny if plexiglass, the company that produces plexiglass, decided to, to sponsor Kirk Cousins because that, that would be just such a great sense of humor about the whole thing. I just think that that would be a great credit to them. But uh, as far as I can tell, no, no plexiglass or similar sponsorship in the works just yet, but I'll keep my uh, ear to the ground on that. Speaking of business, he, it seems business as usual for Kirk. He's pretty much the same player you see year after year out there. Yeah, and he prides himself on that. I think that you know he did he did look a little bit rougher in training camp the past uh, you know a couple of practices, so that's worth noting, right? But I I, I don't know how much of that's gonna. I mean, we're year ten of his career, year seven of him as a starter, I think, and I don't know how much of that is gonna you know overcome or 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 replace, you know, what we saw. I mean, we saw him with no offseason. He was basically the same quarterback. So having a small kind of rough offseason where there's a couple of days in practices that aren't looking good, you know, whatever. I don't really think that that's going to matter too much. I think maybe it's just a little bit frustrated uh, coming back from um, essentially a self-induced practice isolation. So we're going to say, I think we're just going to see the same guy. Again, tons of play action in this offense, it looks like. And, you know, he's been kind of a, you know, all quarterbacks get better under play action. He gets more better, as it were, uh, than most quarterbacks. I think we're going to continue to see that. I mean, he just thrives on the boot action stuff the Vikings doing right now. So yeah, consistent Kirk Cousins, maybe not something we've seen in the past couple of days in practice. I think we're going to get that back. Arif, in the deep nether regions of Dynasty Twitter, there's narratives brewing out there that rookie QB Kellen Mond is the future QB one for this Vikings team. I'm speaking quietly because it's, it's quietly brewing. Right. I think there's an HN channel dedicated to this actually. Um, <laughs> but how, but how is he looking and could that narrative become reality? Yeah, I'll, I'll go deep into the, the tour forums for this one. Yeah, for sure. No. Yeah. I, I think that that could be a long-term um, eventuality. I think that it's going to be two years before they can get out this year or next year. They can get out from under the Kirk Cousins contract. And that's when they're going to be um, really evaluating Kellen Mond. So we're, we're going to probably see them give him a chance, but um, we're not going to know until either March of, of the 2023 league year when that, when that league year starts or in April when they actually draft a guy. Um, so we're not going to know how they feel about Kellen Mond until we get there. They're going to say a bunch of stuff in pressers about how excited they are, you know, presuming that, yeah, Kirk Cousins leaves um, after his contract is up, which I think is maybe a fair assumption. They're going to say a bunch of stuff about how excited they are for Kellen Mond, and it's not going to mean anything until they don't draft a quarterback to replace him. So we're just not going to know. But they've given him that opportunity to earn that job. So, you know, maybe it's not as big an opportunity as, you know, Davis Mills has, right? Because beating out Tyrod Taylor is a little bit beating, different than beating out Kirk Cousins. But it is an opportunity that in the long term, if you've got like a deep taxi squad for your dynasty league, you know, is, is maybe worth investing in, or maybe you can redshirt a guy. I know that Kellen Mond in my dynasty leagues has a taxi squad. You can't put him on the taxi squad because people are going to poach him. So they have to redshirt him, which is a, a new uh, thing that we've introduced in our league this year. So that's, that's kind of where you have to be is uh, you have to be comfortable that it's going to be weird. That it's going to take a while before we're going to know. And that it's going to be pretty late in the process for us to be able to know early on in camp. He's missed every practice essentially from two Saturdays ago to today, he was able to do walkthroughs today. Um, so we haven't got a ton of them, but in camp and in mini camp and in OTAs, he's looked really rough. That doesn't matter, right? He's not going to see the field for a while. And he's not even the QB two, he's QB three. We're not going to see him for a long time. 
how he performs in camp right now is completely irrelevant to what his long-term prospects are. And I think the Vikings are going to give him a chance to earn a shot at preventing them from finding another quarterback. But that's that's the strongest I can say. Well, great insights as always, Arif. Thank you so much. Let's move on to the wide receiver room next. Uh, after struggling to make the field in early 2020, Justin Jefferson absolutely smashed the NFL for 88 catches, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns with a very nice 11 yards per catch. When we spoke last year, actually, you had some mixed feelings, if I recall. But he's got gamers and drafters concerned because he's already popped up with an injury. They were excited. Now we're concerned. Can you give us an update on that? And uh, how has he looked in year two so far aside from the injury? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so this the same time last year, Justin Jefferson was running with the twos um, as a backup to Olabisi Johnson. It did not look like he was doing anything in particular that warranted him earning the starting job. And the Vikings agreed, right? For the first two weeks, he wasn't a starter. So uh, it took him a while to, to pop out on the scene. And of course, you know, 1400 yards later, um, people are pretty happy with his output. But uh, this year in camp before that injury, and I'll talk about that injury in a second, um, he's looked remarkable. You know, he's done a really excellent job of finding ways to get up. He looks more like the receiver that we saw near the end of last year than he did the receiver that was entering um, training camp under under the restricted protocols. And it might just be that, you know, that not having a full offseason for somebody so reliant on route running and feeling out defensive backs and stuff like that, maybe that's why he didn't look uh, as explosive as he turned out to be. Um, but now, I mean, he he looks like, I mean, he's getting wide open, um, not just in one-on-ones, which are slanted in favor of the receiver, but in team drills, he's doing a really excellent job of, of just finding space, whether that's in zone coverage, finding areas where there's kind of holes in the coverage in his route um, and sitting in them, or in, in man coverage, finding ways to you know spin cornerbacks in a blender and and finding you know acres of space available to him he's doing a really excellent job now of course he did land on his shoulder which led to an ac joint injury which sounds like it's not that um severe so i don't expect him to suit up against denver i think they want to keep him safe so he's probably not going to even be in the joint practices um against denver coming up um you know, we're recording this, uh, was it on Tuesday, right? So that's coming up on Wednesday and Thursday, the joint practices, and then the, the game on Saturday. I don't expect to see him there, but I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him in the preseason. But I think the most likely outcome is that he's just going to suit up week one. Everyone's going to be happy, uh, and he's going to go off for like a bunch of yards or at least a bunch of targets. So I don't know that the Bengals really have a ton of capability on defense to, to stop a player like him yet. So yeah, I, the long-term prognosis is, is barely altered for Jefferson from an injury perspective. If people are kind of worried about regression, I just wrote a piece a couple of days ago before the injury that he doesn't look like he's regressing, that people seem pretty confident in his ability to kind of maintain his focus and, and turn into a high quality player. I do think again, for the same reason that I think Kirk Cousins is going to get fewer yards. I think that he may get fewer yards, um, but that's not going to be a regression from a skill set perspective or a quality perspective. It's not going to be necessarily because he's seeing more double teams or the teams know how to answer him or anything like that. I think it's just because the Vikings throw the ball a little bit less. The Athletic is a great product. Go out, subscribe. I subscribe. You're going to get this information and much more. Thank you, Arif. This is, uh, I'm loving it. I love this positive Justin Jefferson report. You know, when we play fantasy, we also pretend we're hedge fund managers and i have a lot of sunk costs into this guy in my <laughs> dynasty teams right so this is uh excellent to hear now adam thielen is someone who has made fantasy gamers very happy over the last few years uh disappointed at times a little late in the season sometimes but overall extremely happy however they're turning their backs on this guy he's falling in drafts this year and i don't really understand why he's currently wide receiver 16 he's only going six spots ahead of 
Michael Thomas, who isn't even going to play. I'm a bit more bullish on Thielen than most. I mean, what? where are we at with Thielen? How's his camp? Yeah, so we're two seasons removed from him hitting 1,200 yards. So I understand why people are feeling a little bit concerned. He only had 900 odd yards um, last year. But, you know, he made up for it from a point scoring position because he had like 14 touchdowns or something wild like that. I think he's fairly reliable to get something like eight, seven touchdowns or something like that. I mean, he's a red zone machine. And one area where Justin Jefferson was not as successful compared to a league average receiver was his ability in the red zone. Now, that's notoriously like a, a very unstable statistic, right? So a receiver that's bad in red zone one year could be better the other year. So for Jefferson, we don't know what that means. But Thielen has been remarkably consistent in his ability to convert red zone opportunities into touchdowns. He did it last year for 14, obviously probably too many to, to consider going forward. He did it the year before six touchdowns in 10 games. That's pretty hard to do um, if you're not you know, performing well in the red zone, especially if you're working with multiple injuries, kind of keeping you back like it did in 2019, 2018, he scored nine touchdowns. That was a big part of it. So he's a really good red zone producer and he's been very consistent about his ability to produce in the red zone and more opportunities have just opened up with the departure of Kyle Rudolph, who is also kind of a red zone only target um you know irv smith is going to replace a lot of kyle rudolph's targets but not really in the red zone kyle rudolph is 6'5 or smith is 6'2 and he's not as good of a contested catch guy against linebackers as Thielen is against cornerbacks and safety so that's something to kind of keep in mind is that there's going to be red zone opportunities for him especially if jefferson does not take that red zone step and, and he's a yardage reliant fantasy guy so that's all something to keep in mind now mind you Thielen is 31 or he's going to be 31 by the time the season starts or something along those lines so that's you know, if if you're a dynasty guy, you know, he's kind of hit probably the peak of his career. It's probably it makes sense to kind of sell him off to to a guy that believes in his longevity a little bit more or a Vikings fan who, who has a lot of nostalgia for what the owners provided the franchise. But from from a redraft perspective, um, yeah, I mean, 16, 15, 14, that all kind of makes sense to me. I, again, I think there's going to be fewer attempts. That's something to keep in mind. I, I would be shocked if he didn't hit a thousand yards this year. And I only I know that he only hit 900 last year is kind of a weird year just because of the way that like the attempt share and the target share and all that worked out um, a lot of games with like 40 rushing attempts or whatever. So, I mean, it, it was weird, but um, I, I would, I would expect him to hit about a thousand again, 31 years old. So we're not really going to see a ton out of him um, overall, but he had over a hundred targets and it's pretty difficult in an explosive offense, like the Vikings to get over a hundred targets from a receiver that's known for being pretty good at the catch point and, and not producing. He had about 60 yards a game last year. Those 15 or that was 14 or no, it was 15 games, but I think one of them was kind of short. And, and I expect you know, 60 yards a game in a 17 game season, obviously is going to be great. Um, I expect him to be a little bit better than that. He's looked pretty good in camp. He hasn't looked as explosive as he was in camp in like 2018 2017 when he was a really great receiver but you know yeah he's clearly wide receiver two in that offense I think that's going to be fine for him I think that he's going to be a 1,000 yard receiver that's going to get you a bunch of touchdowns kind of like a late career Eric Decker should we pass Adam a note that says maybe the gritty isn't for him that maybe <laughs> well it's not for him but it's definitely not for cousins i think both of them have tried it and, and at least out of the two of them adam's doing a little bit better so this is uh, true. <laughs> I, until we can get kirk cousins to stop attempting to dance for his you know you know, priorities right you know you get kirk cousins to stop you know dancing for his celebrations and then we can talk about feeling so uh, this is true this is yeah. true at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, 
engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, well, moving on to the running backs, Dalvin Cook uh, is the headliner here. He's the second player off the board right now in most drafts. People love them some Dalvin, so let's give them some hardcore Dalvin talk. The guy <laughs> had almost 2,000 scrimmage yards and 17 total TDs last year. Any reason to think he won't get there again from what you've seen so far? Uh, well, he doesn't get a ton of run in camp. It's, it's kind of like um, Adrian Peterson when he was with the Vikings. They just like give him a couple of carries, make sure he's comfortable and then take him off. So he doesn't get hurt. So um, difficult to tell from camp, you know, how he's doing looks good to me. It, do, it doesn't quite look like I remember, you know, paying a lot of attention to Dalvin cook when he was a rookie and, and, and entering his second year, because you know, that you were worried about his injuries. You know, what popped off to me in those camps was, Oh my God. I mean, he clearly looks like a special player. You know, I'm not necessarily getting that vibe, but I'm, not, I'm paying a less attention to him. You know, he's getting fewer carries first of all. And second, I, I know what I'm seeing in him. I'm less worried about him and paying more attention to someone like, like Daniil Hunter, Justin Jefferson, see if they're going to be able to kind of put together really good seasons because there's uncertainty about the two of them in a way that's not true for Dalvin Cook. It's very clear that they want to give him 300 plus carries. I expect that to happen. No reason to see him kind of fall back. The one area where he could be better as a player and, and what I'd like to see him more involved in a, in a camp environment that I want them to focus more on for him is as a receiver, because I think we people kind of just assume he's a good receiver. He's not. He's an okay receiver, but he's not a particularly special receiver. Um, his routes tend to be fairly short compared to other running backs. So um, even though he gets a decent amount of targets, not a ton, um, his targets don't go very deep. So he gets a fair amount of receiving yards, um, but he could do a lot more there. And so I think on, on the on the scale between Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, people kind of probably assume he's closer to McCaffrey. I think he's closer to Henry in terms of his usage pattern. Obviously, body type is much closer to McCaffrey, but in terms of his usage pattern, he's much more about Henry. You know, if you were trying to decide between running back two and running back three, I, I assume you know, it's like Henry and Elliot and maybe Chubb are like three, four and five or something like that. If you're kind of just trying to, to figure out what the tiebreaker there is, I mean, you're worried about injury history. That's something that might take Dalvin Cook uh, down a notch. If you're worried about, you know, if he's going to see a ton of receptions, that might take Dalvin Cook down a notch. Um, but no reason to kind of dramatically alter your rankings, just like reasons to, to break some ties if you were there. So we're not, quote unquote, adjusting the ranks, but that's OK. Right. But that was a pretty uh, eye opening analysis of his game. I don't think a lot of people view it that way. So thanks for that, Arif. Now, behind Dalvin is the portion of the podcast I've been looking forward to. Alexander Madison is widely and rightfully considered his handcuff, quote unquote handcuff. But in comes fourth rounder Kane and Wangwu. Did I say that correctly? I think it's Wangwu. Which Wong. uh, there's a W is, there, but is it silent? There is. It sounds like they don't want us to say it on the pronunciation guide. So uh, it's Wangwu, as far as I know. I'm open to being corrected. Uh, remember, uh, Vasanti Shanko made us learn his pronunciation four different ways so this could always change so kane wongu yeah why not who famously has a raw athletic score of 9.89 that's out of tenerife also shout out to kent plant at math bomb for that one that's high enough for me to be an official truther now he's torn his achilles and he has little college production but can you give a desperate truther a bit of hope from what you've seen at camp from Kane. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of interesting. So obviously the Vikings uh, drafted him because they were pretty excited about what Mike Boone is able to provide for their offense. Let him go to Denver, where uh, former Vikings assistant general manager George Payton's running the show now. Um, so clearly Payton was impressed with what he was able to do. Interestingly, Mike Boone has a lower RAS score, marginally lower 
RAS score than Kenne, and and both are speedsters. So the thing about a lot of these players that enter camp, and I, you know, the Vikings love these super athletes at running back, especially as their third running back. So they've got Kenne, they had Mike Boone, they've had Jarrell Presley, they've had a number of players. You know, obviously Jarek McKinnon was their RB2 for a while. Super athlete, probably one of the highest RAS scores we've ever seen, I bet. These guys I'm so used to seeing in camp and they're and they're very fast, obviously explosive and fast. McKinnon was explosive out of the gate. Mike Boone was explosive. Jarrell Presley, you know, was explosive. And, and we saw more of him in the AAF than we saw him in the NFL. Um, you know, these guys are pretty fun to watch, but it is difficult to find a player that's necessarily obviously fast that has these um, really great 40 times. And, and, you know, the Vikings brought a couple of other guys and Jeff Bidette's a really good example, a guy who had really great track speed and, you know, competed in like 40 yard dash competitions. I think he hurt himself in one of them and, you know, his highlights show that he's fast. They don't necessarily always look like they are obviously fast on a football field in a practice environment. And Kenny does. Kenny looks explosive and fast. He looks faster than almost everyone else out there. There is a player that I know and feels faster than him on the roster. That's Dan Chisna. That doesn't count. He's a four by 100 medal winner in the NCAA big 10 championships. Like he's, he's a legitimate track athlete that only suited up for like four games at Penn state as a football player. So that's maybe not a fair comparison, but you know, players that are probably faster, like our Tyree kill and Marquise Goodwin, right? Like Ken a looks nuts fast out there. It, it, it's pretty clear. So I think the Vikings are ensorcelled by that. It sounds like you are too. It sounds like I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, looking at you responding to what I'm saying. I will say he had like 112 carries in college. Um, I think- Not great. Yeah. Dalvin Cook had more his like junior year of college. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not great. But to counter- Mike Boone was the same way. He entered Cincinnati as a wide receiver commit. They eventually converted him to running back and he never earned- the starting running back job for Cincinnati. And yet, you know, he lasted at the NFL longer than anybody who's ahead of him on the depth chart. And Kenny has a better excuse than Mike Boone, which is that he was behind two running backs that at the time were top five in college football. David Montgomery, Reese Hall, top five uh, running back in college football, period, right? For, for, for that year in the FBS. And so it'd be difficult to give Kenny Wongu that time. Plus they were able to put him on the field as a kick returner. And it looks like, you know, that's a job the Vikings are considering for him. I don't expect Kenny to get very much run this year unless Dalvin Cook is hurt. And then in your redraft leagues, go ahead and pick him up. I think he's an interesting stash in dynasty leagues. But you remember that Mike Boone is somebody that the Vikings value a lot. He probably didn't give dynasty players very much for holding on to him so he's going to be kind of a gadget that i think the vikings are going to look to try and get involved in various ways i don't know that that's going to translate into fantasy points i think it's going to be pretty interesting for fans so um, that's kind of a difference there is that i don't really expect wangu to be uh, unless you're in a super deep dynasty league kind of that worth it but from a vikings fan perspective or, or a guy who likes to see exciting players like like cordero patterson Useless fantasy player, right? Immensely fun. I'm so glad he's in the league, right? And I think Wangu has the potential to be fun like that. Maybe not Cordero Patterson fun, who might be the best kick returner of all time, but fun, right? And so, like, who's that Falcons running back? Anton Smith or something like that? He would just break off like a, a 40. He'd have a random 100-yard game or whatever. It could be like that, where it's just like, yeah, I got to see that player play. It was a good day. Yeah, I'm excited to see him in preseason. He's going to be a preseason DFS all-star. I'm sure yes. of it. Yeah, for sure. That's, <laughs> uh, that's somebody that you sink some some preseason DFS cash into. Rock Thomas famously popped off in one preseason game a couple of years ago before I think he disappeared. He did. I think he 
had some off-field trouble that motivated the Vikings because he was like a running back four, running back five. And then the Vikings were like, well, that far down the depth chart, we're not going to really worry ourselves about kind of what the details of, of this off-field incident are. You've done too much. Bye. Mike Boone also famously lost people championships by doing nothing in week 16 of 20. And then exploding <laughs> in week 17, a week that nobody plays. Incredible. Just incredible. remarkable work, Mike Boone. <laughs> well done, Mike Boone. Um, all right, rounding to the finish here in the tight end room. Irv Smith is a surprisingly polarizing player on fantasy Twitter with his fair share of touts and faders. Tyler Conklin is a guy. That was it. That was my sentence. Um, <laughs> he is a guy. No, he is I, a guy. I can confirm that. Yeah. Uh, no, who all who who others are pushing their chips in on because he feels more similar to former tight end Kyle Rudolph. Uh, what's in store for both of these guys? Yeah. Um, it's it's probably a tight end by committee. And I think that that sounds like a fade. I don't really think it is for Irv Conklin. I just, I just, or uh, Irv Conklin, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Irv Smith. I I think I just, I just created the committee, right? Um, (laughs) LLC. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, uh, I I don't think it's a fade for Irv Smith. I think he'll get a fair amount of yards, but it's just like, how much is a tight end who gets maybe 500 yards, maybe 600 yards, but not that many touchdowns. How much is a tight end like that worth? I think the modern tight end environment is that you've got like these four tight ends that score tons of points for you and might help you win games, right? You got your George Kittles, your Travis Kelsey's, your Darren Wallers, uh, Mark Andrews. And that's like kind of it, right? Unless I'm missing someone, maybe Kyle Pitts, but we don't know where he is yet, right? Unless, and then there's like a bunch of tight ends. It's kind of hard to distinguish. Like how invested are you in Austin Hooper, right? I would imagine Irv Smith is somewhere in there. So that's kind of what I envision. Conklin is going to play the role, right? The routes that, you know, Kyle Rudolph is going to run and the personnel packages that Kyle Rudolph is in, Conklin's going to play that role. But that doesn't mean that the targets are going to be distributed the same way as they were last year with Conklin getting the Kyle Rudolph targets. I think the targets are going to be distributed to whoever's open. I think Irv Smith's got a better chance at that than someone like Tyler Conklin, who did a pretty good job in the last five uh, five games of the, of the season when Kyle Rudolph was injured. So I think that there's going to be more targets available. Irv Smith is going to soak up a good chunk of those targets, right? He's probably the only one, aside from Conklin, of course, that's going to see the targets increase as a result of a passing offense that might decrease the total number of attempts, right? Just because there's there's a vacuum in those targets, and I think he's going to be able to eat those up. So that's going to be kind of a between the 20s type stuff. I think that kind of the ideal world is that he becomes Jordan Reed without the concussions. And that obviously would be a very valuable tight end, like a tight end five, tight end six sort of situation, right? Like a late career Greg Olson, somebody that you want to invest in, but uh, is not going to you know cost an arm and a leg in the tight end market. But I, I don't see him break into the ranks of those like you know you've got a winning tight end he's going to help kind of lead your team or define your team as those four that i named right but i don't see him as kind of like a, a tight end 20 or anything like that if that makes sense i think he could compete for like a tight end 12 13 14 spot where if your strategy is to invest in other positions you could be a good value grab that's going to get you kind of where you need to be at that position while you kind of win with like your great running back combo or like your absurd wide receiver group or whatever so like he, he could be a flex play that's that's a really high value flex play for example so that's kind of where i see all right, Arif, uh, we're going to get you out of here. I have one question left, but it's it's tough. I'm going to make you put yourself out there. What is your boldest fantasy prediction for the Minnesota Vikings in 2021? Oh, geez. KJ Osborne is going to be fantasy relevant, That which is a low bar, but it's got to be bold. Like He didn't see an offensive snap last year at all. Like You look at PFF, you see his snaps, all special team snaps, zero offensive snaps. He got 
500 yards at Miami, right? Like his final year in college. And he was a fifth year player. So he's an old rookie without a ton of production. His athletic score is not remarkable. And he was a poor returner on the few times he saw the field and his only opportunities to see the field he never got on offense, right? So this is a guy that if you read the resume of, you would think is never going to be fantasy relevant. And I think he's probably not going to be wide receiver three in uh, on your roster if you field three wide receivers on your roster as a starting wide receiver three, but he could be an interesting flex play uh, on some weeks. So uh, that makes him fantasy relevant despite his uh, resume. So he is clearly wide receiver three with the Vikings. I don't think it's close, right? I mean, D.D. Westbrook just signed with the Vikings and he hasn't participated yet because of injury, but I think the Vikings are so happily surprised with what they see in KJ Osborne that he might even get snaps ahead of DD Westbrook in that offense. Uh, and so he's going to be fantasy relevant. So that, I mean, saying somebody's going to be fantasy relevant doesn't sound bold, but I think for his resume and his background, I think that probably is bold. So that's where I'm going to go with that, especially if your league has return yards, because he's in the mix for Turner, probably not going to win it, but you know, probably backup returner or something like that. And he's going to see the field a fair amount. So like it's a two wide receiver offense. And I just said that Justin Jefferson is going to return, but they are going to have a fair number of snaps with wide receiver three. The Vikings just did not have a third wide receiver last year. Um, those targets went to like Tajay Sharp is not on the roster. They went to Chad Beebe, who I think is going to be wide receiver four uh, and so on. So I think that KJ Osborne is going to be the kind of guy that, you know, if you've got bi-week issues or some like you got to pick up somebody off of waivers, that's that's going to replace your just hurt receiver and you don't have a handcuff. I think he's a guy that can patch together a rough part of your season that allow you to get respectable showings that'll allow you to get like good seating in the playoffs or something like that. So that's my bold prediction. Well, uh, I love it. And I'm glad uh, we got that in there because I did want to ask about uh, wide receivers outside of that, but I also wanted to keep it moving. So we, 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 we kept it moving. So I'm glad we got that in here at the end. Uh, Arif, uh, I thank you once again. I, I like chatting with you. you. I feel comfortable kind of uh, being a little bit looser with this show with you. So I, I appreciate that. And I mean, you just delivered incredible insights on this team. So thank Thank you so much for that. You can find him at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. He writes for The Athletic. Uh, Arif, I want to give you the floor, though. What else do you have going on uh, and anything you'd like to say uh, as fantasy football is about to dive into your mentions uh, for the next four months? <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah, I mean, not much. Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. So that's one S. Again, you can find me at The Athletic. And I get credit if you subscribe to The Athletic through my story. So be sure to do that. So athletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. Um, if you want some like really stupid political takes, I mean, I do sometimes have those uh, over at Wide Left Podcast, but I haven't, you know, done a podcast on politics in like seven or eight months. So, you know, fat chance. But that's also something I do. And I occasionally appear on on political podcasts. That's probably not as interesting to a lot of people. So mostly follow me on Twitter. I answer uh, way too many fantasy DMs. So, you know, I'm I'm the worst about it for myself, but that's pretty helpful for a lot of other people. So Go ahead and do that. I'm not a fantasy expert. I just cover the Vikings, but you know, sometimes that can be useful. Absolutely. And speaking of the political uh, slant to some of your stuff, I, the, the the beginning of the show was a, a reference to an exchange that came your way uh, <laughs> that I yes. saw a few, few days yeah. ago. So you always have a great sense of humor. Thank you, Arif, once again. And until next year, have a great season. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is always fun. Justin Jefferson, wide open. Kane Wongu, preseason. DFS All-Star. You are now dialed in. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.